Welcome to Creative Welly, episode 43. My name's DK, the founder here, and big shout-outs before we start to John O'Tucker over at Empire Films, who produces the video podcast. You're listening to the audio podcast, but he produces the video podcast. Big shout-out to him, and also David Hamilton over at Flash Dog Studio for hosting us. You're listening to Courageous Conversations with Bold Humans, episode 43, and today we're chatting with Tanya Anderson, system participatory designer, and learning partner, and also Nick Fox, founder of Jumpin' Fox Interactive Limited. We cover off a lot of subjects here, one of the amazing conversations, which is so broad, so many things we've covered in terms of design, complexity, innovation, psychological safety, play, vulnerability, etc. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So listen up and enjoy. I'll be back at the end. Cheers. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Ooh. Oh, gosh. That's a tough one. Do you understand? Oh, I don't know. There's so many options, right? Um, immediately, I thought of that lady that rides around naked on horses. What's she called? Lady Godiva? Yeah. I don't know anything about her, but that's just what came to mind. <laughs> so riding Maybe naked just around... Maybe the bravery of it. It's an <laughs> the aspiration. There we go. An aspiration of just um, having the courage. Because it also sits with that analogy of... Um, the emperor, was, uh, the boy that calls out the emperor with no clothes. So yeah. there's a whole nude scene that's going for me at the moment. Obviously. Yeah, so just seeing that. But it's been brought up. That's obviously an opposite when you get called out with <laughs> yeah. no clothes on, but, but it's kind of the bravery and... Yeah, I'd say because the emperor believes he's wearing clothes, whereas yes. Lady Godiva was purposely doing it to cause ruckus. Now we get into the heart yeah. of why you identify I think with it's that the lady. Ruckus. The ruckus. Okay, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nick. Uh, my 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 brain logically went to Einstein. Whoa. Yeah, not and not because of the size of the brain, just the, uh-huh. the crazy scientist mm. sort of thing. You know, and um, yeah, just thinking differently about the world and mm. trying lots of different things out, ten thousand experiments, all that sort of stuff. Sure. You know, yeah. And and I really dig that sort of where I've sort of spent the last sort of wee while, which is cool. Nice. That's a very wholesome one. I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was, he is amazing amount of quotes from Einstein. You just think, man, mm-hmm. yeah, that guy. And the one about, I'm, I'm not that clever. I just have the tenacity to not give up mm-hmm. on a problem or something like that. Yeah. But sure, in it. But that's kind of the heart of what I think is, yeah, most people, yeah, some level of cleverness, but mm. the tenacity to yeah. not give up on a problem. Well, I definitely feel that at the moment. Is like, that right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest problem you're working on at the moment? Well, we, you I mean, can't put down. Well, it's the yeah the, the the thing the company's working on is is essentially trying to fix the sales role that people mm-hmm. are using, you know, and um, it's a really gnarly challenge. Mm-hmm. And in the context of what sales role? Well, you think about sales uh, organizations that sell to other businesses, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, um, and they have sales people, uh-huh. um, and the sales role has been remarkably unevolved. Mm-hmm. Like you can't name a role in an organization that's changed less, really. Wow. Um, and and it's not working really really uh, for anyone. The, the mm. buyers aren't really enjoying it. Mm. People think salespeople are desperate and sleazy and all that sort of stuff. And mm. and the bosses don't really like it because it's really expensive. And so it's a gnarly challenge. But mm. there's, yeah. we're working on what comes next. Nice. So it's, an, it's like an innovation thing mm. that's really hard. Yeah. Because it's complex. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions on that. But <laughs> you know. And um, yeah. So. Lots of different experiments, lots of trying lots of different things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, mm. getting punched in the nose every so often. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a cool problem because I never thought about it until I saw your little LinkedIn video right. yeah. of the little snippet from a larger mm -hmm. talk that you gave to talk about the biases of bias of buyers. Yeah. Sorry, mm -hmm. and you were thinking about sales through a, that lens rather than just as the row. Could you give us like the snippet of that? Like, what's the the skinny, if you like, of what you were talking about? Well, I, I, at the core of it is the yeah. So I. I'm a big believer in user-centered design. Mm. I'm yes. sure we'll talk about that. Yes. Um, and the I've been in sales sort of virtually my whole career around it, really. Mm. Um, and yeah, the user of the sales process is actually the buyer, mm. right? And and so what would a buyer design sales process look like? Um, nice. You end up with a role that looks completely different than the sales role uh, that exists. And mm. so that's really the sort of the how might we question. Right, so Great. yeah, what what would that look like if we sort of stripped it all back and rebuilt it? Because it's actually quite a necessary role. Mm. You know, if you think less about the, when I think sales, I don't think pushy salesperson. I think mm. um, yeah. guide, you know, mm. advisor, you know, the the way the role should be in a complex world. Mm. Um, you just end up with a very different sort of role uh, because the buyers are demanding different things. Mm. You know, the world is a very different place. Yeah, sure. You know, and so when I started selling. Yeah, yeah, there was no internet. I'm, I'm that old, right? And um, and so buyers needed me to turn up and educate them on my products. Mm. That was what the sales role yeah. did. Mm. Um, now, of course, buyers are completely submerged in information, and they yeah. they know more about the products often than the salesperson does, right? Yeah. So so the role just has to evolve. And you talk about also the generational shift of millennials coming into the workforce and being the buyers. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, so uh, now yeah. that radically changes completely. And you know, in this decade is um, the percentage of millennial people that organisations sell to, so managers and beyond, is mm. going to go from about twenty-seven percent to eighty percent. So it's it's going to become the the core demographic that salespeople are selling to, and mm. and they buy differently. They need different things. And if you were actually going to say, hey, let's create a sales role that works for you, mm. which we should do, right? Because that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. Makes sense. It's just it's 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 different. And so we're we're sort of operating in that, and that's the that's the challenge. Some days it's really great, and some days it's really horrible, because mm. yeah. that's what innovation's like. And I think that's the mm. sort of gets back to my Einstein thing, right? Lots of trying to just mm. focus on mm. keeping working, right? Keeping what are we trying to sort of find out? And that's really the the core of what we do. That's the big challenge at the moment. Fascinating. Have you got any? Yeah, thought? I'm really interested. You said about how it's a space that hasn't really evolved. What do you think are the drivers of that lack of change or the why it hasn't moved forward as other places and other roles have? Well, I mean, this is all in my humble opinion, right? Because I'd, I'd <laughs> like to ask you, because I'm sure you'll have a view. Um, because, yeah, ultimately it is a really complex system. It's sort of, yeah. it's, it's a very nested issue. Mm. Um, uh, but I think it's somewhere in between um, sort of the lack of solidity around what comes next. So I don't have a problem, and you guys are nodding at me, hopefully that's because you agree, but mostly when we talk about, hey, is the sales role really working, it's really easy to get people saying, no, not really, you know, no, mm. you know, um, because, it, yeah, it's, it's, because it's changed, yeah, everything's changed so much. What's really hard is, okay, what should it change to? Mm. What comes next? Mm. Um, and I think there's a huge issue with the lack of what comes next. Um, I think another big issue is the amount of automation. So if I look at uh, the concept of digital transformation, Mm. Um, it's been very focused on efficiency. So mm. how do, essentially, how do we make the old sales role the most be more efficient <laughs> at yeah. doing what it did? 
Yeah. And um, and so it's and the amount of automation now, and people are just getting completely hammered by sort of bad behaviours, which mm. is then reinforcing the whole sort yeah. of thing, right? So it's solidified so I think, in that, that process in the system. Yeah, and mm. so it's just it's, so it's making it harder. And then I think there's just a real gen, general lack of knowledge about what good sales can be. It can be, yes. you know, and yeah. and I think you know the if you look at um, sort of executive cohorts and mm. you know you look at the, the the experience of sales the head of sales often doesn't sort of reach those heights the mm. sites yeah. least com least common access to ceo is yeah. through the sales function right and so um so they're often sort of people doing reinforcing isn't this the way sales is done mm. as opposed to a lack of mm. real interrogation about how should it and yeah. What should it look like? And in the imagination. Yeah, and then of course the whole the real problem of hey we're in Q4 and the numbers are going to get hit right. So this is real pressure on mm. um, that. I think all of those things combine mm. into let's just keep doing what we've always done and try to yeah. sort of increment our way forward. Yeah. Well, yeah. the iterations of this imagined new sales role thing <laughs> change with sectors mm. or industries. Uh, yeah, y yes, I think because right. you know sectors are different. But in general, I think um, yeah, it, it's yeah here we are right. So we're 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 here having a, what we call a synchronous spoken conversation, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. synchronous, we're all in the same time. Mm -hmm. So for every minute I spend, you guys are spending a minute, and it's spoken. Right? This is the nature of the way sales conversations have happened, mm. right? And um, and for, since the dawn of time, essentially. Yet we're in a room creating sort of asynchronous digital content, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That um, that you are going to share, and we're going to share, and mm -hmm. and then everybody that consumes that message is you know, consuming it in their time on yeah. on their terms. Yeah. And and so we th we think this big shift between sort of synchronous spoken sales content and asynchronous digital content is the big shift. Okay. Right? So that's um, the key lever in a sense. How do you create content that your customers can consume on their terms? Mm. Right you know that can help you influence them right and um yeah. and and sort of and, and educate them and do what guides always do so that's mm. a big shift but that's very new you know? and the challenge there is about content that's relevant over yeah. time <laughs> I mean, all of because that. the perishable nature of information from a mm. product perspective because products change and move and mm. services change and move and you start thinking putting my old social media marketing hat on like the evergreen content yeah, yeah. that lasts What's this? Just what it sounds like, you know, evergreen oh, okay. content, it stays green relevant. forever. It's just okay. relevant for now a that, long time. Now that you've explained it. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of a content back in the day of if you created something that has mm. a lot of leg, a lot of legacy, gotcha. you know. There's some wisdom to it, so it'll last him, whatever. That's evergreen content. Mm. But it's hard. That's, it's that's hard. the, and this the is real that, jewel that, in the that's crown. The, that's the challenge. It's, and, and that's what we, we work on, which is how, right. how what is, there's no simple answer. No. You know, yes. and I think the... As I was sort of invited to talk at Creative Valley, I was like, "Okay, what's the, what's the creative part? Well, that's the creative part, mm. right? Which is yeah. you know, how to, not knowing the answer, messy. yeah, doesn't mm. prevent us trying some stuff, right? So, yeah. we're deep into that. That's great to hear, man. So, what problems are you working on? Just to like Ooh. balance some stuff out, and we can get into a good conversation. So, so quite a different space, but I really appreciate, as you're saying, that being in that space of people not being able to imagine the future. And I, I would say that resonates with what we're trying to do. So a lot of my work over the last a few years, but particularly in the last year and a bit, has been working at, uh, in a cross-government space, trying to facilitate learning approaches. 
Um, we're particularly working in the early year system, which is like the first thousand days of someone's life, because what the evidence shows us is that it's where your trajectories are really set up. Um, a lot of the work that I've done historically and continue to do is about um, its equity focus, so it's prioritising those that have been excluded from our systems. Um, so people with lived experiences of some of the challenges that we talk about a lot in the political sphere, so poverty, um, sleeping rough, homelessness, um, the epidemic of violence that we have, these kind of wonderful, joyful experiences. Um, but really trying to create um, collaborative spaces, and that's kind of the crux of what I've done, if I really try and distill it down into like, what, what do you actually do? Because I have one of those jobs where my family don't know how to describe <laughs> what I do, and it seems to be different every time they talk to me, is how they say it. So, okay. um, the consistent factors are really about that inquiry you were talking about, is like, what is actually going on and what might we try, and that experimentation and doing that collaboratively or collectively. And so that's what we're trying to foster across a collection of um, agencies and some non-agencies as well. Like what we're trying to do is enable um, government to be more connected to people in place, because that's really where things happen in our lives. Um, which I think is kind of similar to that, what you were saying about the synchronicity versus the asynchronicity. I think policy is asynchronous and the lived experience of what's going on is in people's lives and actually when we come into that place and we're connected and working with people, you come up with a really different understanding of problems and potential solutions. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to do that with a whole lot of other much smarter people. <laughs> Could you give us like a, an example or two of those, just Ooh. what you've de detailed, what you've outlined, based yeah. on because you've had a variety of experiences? It's true, I've done a variety of things. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, if we stay in the current context, working in the earlier system, um, I'll take a step back, as mm -hmm. you're saying, going on a, a segue <laughs> quite quickly, but um, working in complex system-informed ways of doing things is trying to understand um, beyond kind of how we typically look at pr problem or cause and effect, you know, problem solution, one-on-one, -on -one, is understanding that there's um, cycles and there's causal loops and all that kind of stuff. So what you think is the problem is probably created or caused by a whole raft of lots yeah. of, you know, yep. which I think can be so overwhelming, but trying to incorporate tools and ways of thinking um, and multiple ways of thinking about things, not just one, to try and uncover what's going on in people's lives and in place to try and address it. So um, New Zealand has a very complex maternity system, mm -hmm. maternity early childcare um, system, uh, more so than say our OECD comparators. We also have um, some pretty significant challenges from a health and clinical perspective. So we have some of the highest rates of um, maternal hemorrhaging. It's not a really lovely conversation, but um, yeah, yeah. Why is that? It's complex. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry to ask. No, Simple. no, it's a, it's a question okay. though. And this is why we're like, hmm. And often yeah. it, people, f because this is such a human thing is we want to fall into like, there must be a, an, an answer, answer, right? Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, and yeah. so there's been a, what we then see is the expression of the system around it. So um, because it's quite a complex space, there's a lot of 
what we call actors in the system, these midwives and obstetricians and gynecologists, and then there's well child supports. There's um, a whole raft of people involved who all have a particular view of, um, you know, that story, the elephant. There's that picture and people are standing at different parts of the elephant and they can see different parts of it. Yeah. And a large part of what we try to do is get all those people together to be like, look, it's an elephant. Ah, fascinating. Okay, you know? nice. Um, and it's not that, because then the other analogy is people trying to eat the elephant. I've never understood that. I don't know why you would. Don't eat the elephant. But maybe you could find other ways of addressing the situation. Mm. You know, like, I don't know where this goes. Maybe Lady Godiva on the elephant kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yes, mix our metaphors. It's yeah, going I, I'm on. all about mixing metaphors. Mm. Um, but rather than looking at it as a problem that we then try and create a one-to-one -one solution for, it's like, what are the what's the context that this is happening in? You know, mm. like... Who are these people that are having this experience? Who's with them? What are the things that we could do to kind of, what we talk about is create the conditions for well-being and wellness. So it's kind of flipping things into a strength-based and aspiration focus, which a lot of the time people are like, yeah, but there's real problems. And we're saying, yes, and those can happen within um, a frame where we're actually looking at someone's wellness because if we continue to focus just on the problems we're still that ambulance at the bottom of the cliff another metaphor mm -hmm. yeah. um which is incredibly important and valid i'm not advocating for not having ambulances mm. but we also might be able to figure out how we don't create these situations in the first place yeah so you're swimming upstream a little bit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love the finger gun yeah, that was good validation no i just yeah. liked it I was like, okay yes. good i did go into that mode yes. <laughs> i think that's exactly it it's going upstream yeah you know? and um how willing are people to do this with you i know that's a how long is a piece of string question that's great. but i'm sure you got some interesting yeah stories about people who are like chomping at the bit with 100%. that process and doing more than just talk I think that's my big Ooh. question is, you know, nice. how do you get beyond the nodding head thing yeah. to mm. actual change? And that's because yeah. it's such a massive, mm. and I, I, I get it, right? complex mm. system, but mm. it's so massive. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Where do you start? Yeah. Where Finally. do you start? I have this thing, and it comes from others, like everything I say is probably from, as I said, much smarter people and things mm. I've read and learned along the way, but start where you are. You know, there's this thing of, I'm always conscious of like, what do we have here? Whether that's access to the problem or the solution or breaking out the, or that thinking like to the conditions or start with who's in the room. Mm. Because any, like complexity theory kind of says to us, any change makes a difference. Yes. Yeah. Um, it could be awful, it could be great, you know, mm. but you learn through that. So um, I'm constantly kind of like, let's not talk about who needs to be in the room before we've had a conversation around who is already in the room you know it's always important to think about who's missing and needs to be part of the conversation but i think we get so stuck in this idea of the people that should be doing stuff we lose sight of being able to start and build some momentum with the willing mm. um because we also get really good at like drinking our own kool-aid you know which is like who's we in this at practitioners yeah, i suppose yeah, yeah. you know like whether we're designers or you know whomever we are policy wonks which i kind of sit in there i'm an adjacent policy wonker <laughs> <laughs> um of 
you know, we find this new way of doing things, whether it's systems thinking or complexity or human-centered design, or co-design. We're like, this is the way. This is the way, yeah. You know, mm. little Mandalorian Star Wars reference there. This is the way, love mm -hmm. it. And I think it's actually like, there is multiple ways. And some of those ways might work and some of the ways might not so work, you know? And mm. it's not because there's something inherently wrong with those ways, it's that. It just it's has complex. some, yeah. yeah, this is yeah. it, right? Yeah. It's just not for this. Yeah. It might work in three months from now or six months. And to be able to do that together, again, you need that. There has to be a foundation of shared values um, and an agreement that you're kind of in this together mm. because I just need to check. Are we allowed to swear? What does the swear count that we're Fuck allowed? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> now that you've done it. Yeah, thank you. I'm good Before with it gets an R I'm rating. I'm good with customers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this shit is rough. It is rough, this work, especially kind of dealing, and it's not just the content, because as I mentioned, working in spaces where we're dealing with some really hard mm. and traumatic experiences, like even if we're working on joyful, wonderful things, you're kind of really trying to delve into the crux of why people are who they are and what drives decisions and trying to flip people's mental models and for all of us it's uncomfortable yeah. and not just in the you know as designers we talk about you know being in the gray and ambiguity and, and that kind of stuff like this is no that deep-seated like mm -hmm. existential oh my god my insides are melting feelings <laughs> and so that's i think often where we may get to in some of our processes that um are perhaps more technical or have been used previously or conventional and that often sounds dismissive i don't mean it that way but are built for working in those simple complicated spaces but when you get into complexity or even further into chaos like this it just doesn't work well, anymore yeah. you know and what often i think we do is rather than coming to terms with that and moving into that space of just living in that existential crisis we change what the problem is or we change the scope of it or the solution, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's not what we're going to do then, we'll just do this bit. You know, that's the short-termism or the let's get some quick wins on yeah. the board crap, you know, where I'm just like, the moment that I hear that narrative start to emerge, yeah. I'm like, we're getting to that place where people are like, oh, I can't cope with this. No, I need some, I need something to do, right? Yeah. You know, yes. It's going to get us results. Results. Yeah, results mm -hmm. are everything, right? Well, what you're describing there as well, the conditions, mm. you're describing like the elements and the conditions. I constantly come back to things that I, you know, referencing only things I know, but in my kind of back in the day when I was a kid, I used to play the drums mm. and playing in bands, you get to a certain level of uh, kind of skill level in mm. playing an instrument mm. then suddenly a world opens up to you of mm. playing with other people like mm. once you get the basics down then you can play with other people and then you learn other songs and then you kind of rise up and then suddenly you got to play someone else comes in and they're playing a different style so ooh, mm. that influences you to pick something else up but then you climb up the kind of not mastery ladder but mm. certainly a comp what am I trying to say comp competence ladder That's yeah. it. to a point where you have a lot of styles you can draw upon and then you can just sit with 
pretty much anybody just yeah okay let's swing this out let's like hard rock it down let's like i'm gonna be a bit hard more fluid and jazz it up a little bit so i gotta swing with you you know mm. at least you know that you got to follow other people and play and it mm. sounds like what you're doing is creating mm. a menu mm. of styles yeah that you have to understand mm. it's just not just service design or design yeah. thinking yes we're going to do the five wise or how might we and mm -hmm. stuff like that we're going to have that as tools but it's not yeah. just that's what it's only based on it's like got the, all these stars I can draw upon and yeah, I might add in a little thing and it's like, oh, that, that was from another thing yeah, that I picked up, you know, yeah. um, a lick somewhere else in, in musical terms. And that's yeah. what I'm hearing yeah, yeah. from Very you. Much. And I mean, as a fellow traveler, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I hear you when you say these, you know, because uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I have played in the band, so to right. speak, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. continue to. So when you say those yeah. things, I go, man, I feel that, yeah. you know, and, and, and I wonder, as you were sort of talking, I wonder about, because it's such important work. I mean, mm. you were kind enough to say, hey, what I'm working on is riveting. Um, but, you know, that is, um, you know, that is really important work. But tough and exhausting and, mm. yeah, how do you manage your energy, you know, mm. and because it's, it's hard, mm. right? And we all, we all tell ourselves that we're resilient enough to get through it and we've got processes to help. And, yeah. But it's, it, it is hard to continue to go back. How do you... How do you think about that? It's a really good question. Um, and at times I haven't been able to, to be honest. And, and that's part, as you're saying, the nature of it and then part the frustration of working with humans. Um, bless my sister was sharing that her partner's going to be promoted and he's going to have 11 direct reports. And I just honestly, I was like, oh God, the idea of having to support 11 people to be sick, like I just, oh, right. okay. I, honestly, I'm Got not a, a manager. visceral reaction to that. Yeah, very visceral, like, wow. you know. And that's a no, because I just, like people are so complex and then there's this part of me that just has to be in it with them all of the time, which is part of who I am. And so mm. I've learned that like, I love coaching. I love being alongside. I love what you're saying, a guide and a navigator. I really, like, that resonates with me. Like, it's supporting people to see things and to make sense of things. Mm. But I don't want to be responsible for people, you know, like. But there's the growth of servant leadership, if you've yeah. ever heard of that phrase, yeah. where you think about in a leadership position mm. that you're on the side of. Yes. Or of service to yes. the people underneath, historically underneath yes. you. So it's a different approach, which yeah. kind of describes what you were just discussing. Yeah, what but you still have to do HR, though, right? <laughs> That's no, oh, you're totally right. You know, and yeah. I mean, having having been in that role, right? I, mm. That was a good. I mean, I'm I'm a reformed senior manager. Right? Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It's a different. I used to yeah. make sense of it in my head. The two types of people. Mm. I know that we're not supposed to just put people in boxes, but <laughs> two types of people: makers and managers. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. a maker. I'm a maker. But you yeah. were a manager for a while as a GM. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had hundreds of people in yeah. mm. post. So it was, yeah, so um, I was in the post group for sort of 16 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right, right through into the big red thing. Um, so how do you manage your head if you're a maker well, in a management role? Well, I think that therein lies a good chunk of my <laughs> career trying to make sense of that. Right, right? okay. Um, yeah. I don't think I was a very good manager, mm. you know. Okay. Um, I think in some, I think back to, I've still got very good friends that um, that worked for me, so I know I wasn't terrible. Nice. Yeah, um, they still speak to you. It's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I put that down to sort of empathy and authenticity more than yeah. um, I was good at the HR stuff. So I think mm. there's some practical things in there that um, 
that I, I wasn't great at, but you just had to make sure you got the right support. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it, 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 it's a different environment, and that mm. that really wasn't. Yeah, I I found this design thing sort of accidentally, yeah, uh, and yes. it 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 fundamentally changed the way I reference I, my frame of reference on myself, and mm-hmm. you know that, uh, that that led me to start my own company and. Cool. Now we're just a little small business, which you still have to worry about people. But yeah, yeah I think that, that that idea of management and bureaucracy yeah. and how organisations work. I mean, you know, if we're not careful, I'll be sucking my thumb and rocking in the corner when you start talking about <laughs> you know, how you make cha- yeah how you make change in these organisations because yeah. that was for uh, you know probably the last four or five years of my career that was my job in the postal yeah. company, right? Oh, of course, and big transformation. At big transformation, you know, and. Yeah. Um, all of that sort of stuff, and, mm-hmm. and the words are so easy to say, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but Definitely. when you when you've got the collective job of making that change, that's yeah. hard. Yes. And so I, I feel yeah. I feel the challenge, and I think you know, yeah. and um, but it's important. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if you if you if you don't do it, I mean, Post had this like long history of doing all sorts of shit, right? It didn't have a problem mm. spending money. Mm. Um, and it was an amazing company. I preface everything I say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have enormous respect for New Zealand Post, and I, I've made lifelong friends there. Um, uh, it's just tough. It's like a complex environment, yeah. and and so all of the things you mm. you talk to, we had the job of being a practitioner, actually yeah. having to do stuff. Yeah, and it was yes. tough, right? I, and I I I did exhaust myself. Yeah, and um and yeah, I wonder always what I would have done differently next time and yeah. Yeah, how, how we could have maintained a little bit more of, of that because mm. it's, it's hard work doing every day. Both well, of you have shown something which I often kind of try to pick out and celebrate, so I'm going to, which is both of you shown vulnerability there, mm. both in terms of sometimes, no, I don't do that and I fall over, yeah. right through, I don't think I was a good manager. I guess yeah. I comes from maturity and experience and going through the eye of the needle and coming through the other side and going, okay, yeah, I need to mm. learn to be more empathetic. And it comes from safety. Mm-hmm. There's that as well, yeah. for well sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I was going to pick up on one of your points about how tough it is for organisations to want what you are describing and probably what you're exploring, yeah. which is change mm-hmm. in inverted commas, yeah. or yeah, exploration of creativity or innovation, or mean kind of similar yeah. stuff in all, different always, ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that, you know, this is where the obvious kind of hits, hits the, the people in the face, which is innovation means changing and exploring new things. And most companies and organizations don't want to do that. We're back to the Mm -hmm. innovation's dilemma, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, What's his name? Clayton Christensen. Clayton Christensen. There we go. And then that's what I've found the toughest in kind of some of the work that I've done is just that you bring these ideas and these formats mm. and these, these different approaches mm. and lenses and languages and all mm-hmm. that. And you go, look, look how cool this is. And it's a lovely white space that you can play in mm. and, and devote your time to. And people go, yeah, we're going to go back to this bit because we know. We know this, and it's safe, and I get it. That's the human condition, right? We Mm -hmm. like safety, and you just said, from Mm. a place of safety, it's kind of good. Mm. But that's what I'm interested in your work as well now, Mm -hmm. is like, how do you create the condition? You said earlier as well, I create space for. Mm. And it sounds like you're intentionally trying to create space, slash room, slash Mm. whatever you want to Mm. place the word for. Mm. What is your take on that idea of creating, not the conditions now, but the spatial conditions, the physical and the mental and the emotional space Space. for people to at least feel comfortable enough Mm. to have these types of conversation of change, which is what you both are practitioners of, it sounds like. Mm. Yeah, though, 
yeah, it's a classic thing. I couldn't give an a, like a here's the answer to that question. Yeah. I think I'd just approach it from here's currently what I'm trying to work on. I mean, my right. big my my big thing is just working really hard to model mm. the, the 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 very things that we're we're right. espousing. Right. So, so you want yeah. to illustrate through your own actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and this is it. This is it. Well, it's okay right. to be like this. You know, and yeah, and actually being like that. And you know, I'm really focused with my team on creating those environments and, mm. and you know, so that when people work with my team, they go, hey, these, these are amazing people. You know, and so, so for me, it's very much about sort of how I behave. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, it's, not a, it's not a perfect science. I think mm. I worry about that, you know, can, mm. creating the conditions for, yeah. for change and, and getting past the, because you do, you get this, we want different. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, actually, do you? Do you? Yeah. Right? And Classic, because, yeah. you know, how... Yeah. You, everybody wants something that's really novel until you go through the yeah. sort of the, you know. I, I, the, one of the ones I love mm. is um, innovation doesn't spring fully formed from the minds of geniuses, Oof, right? That's, that's the that's, that, that's not how innovation works. Totally. You, is, um, yeah. That's how m- most organisations would like to think yeah. innovation works. Yeah. You know? yeah. Hire yeah. a guy that dress, you know, a girl that dresses differently, and yeah, exactly. and is tasked with shaking, th- you know, <laughs> yeah. shaking things up, yeah, and exactly. will be fine. I was like, well, actually, no, that person will just burn themselves out. Yes, because you know. So I think that's mm. yeah. Anyway, so I, I think this idea of, for me is how I model it. How about I mean, mm. what's your no answer? solid? That's it. It's yeah. kind of that drinking the Kool Aid thing I was talking about. Is like if we can't do it ourselves, what are we even talking about? Mm. And I, something that's come up for me, I guess, recently in my work. It's probably always been there, but I'm originally from South Africa, so we're the Dutch of the South, so we're very direct humans. And in fact, in our culture, it's rude to not be direct. It's actually, okay. you know, <laughs> yeah, like and this that. is true for Dutch, and I think also for Canadians. My friend, mm. uh, her mum is um, from Canada and says, oh, no, that, it, like, it's rude to not say the thing, yeah. you know. Mm. And so that has been a, both a service and a disservice to me. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> I've, and I've, heard, I've yep. softened the edges around it a little bit, right? Okay. Like, um, but there are times where it comes out and it's very much like a scalpel. And I, I think that one of those places for me is it's an integrity thing. It's a value of mine is how dare we say that this is the way to do it if we're not doing it ourselves. You know, like mm. if we're not in, in – I hate warfare – analogies it's really problematic you know but it's a being in the trenches but if we're not out there and actually doing it and learning through the process what it actually takes and having the lived experience of doing it like don't bother talking to me Mm. you know and i think that's where sometimes things and and certain approaches can fall over because it's really fixated on what's on the box, you know, like an innovation process. We're going to come and bung this into your organization. And as you were saying, and then all of the great ideas will come out and you will be innovative and ka-cha. Lots of post-it notes. There we go. Yeah. And we'll run workshops. (laughs) Double diamond, the stink out of it. And uh, (laughs) even now we see there's more, like they're putting more double diamonds on the double diamond and the double diamonds until you die, you know, and I'm just like, oh, you know. And it's... It's, it's actually just about the practice of it, you know, because there's this horrible thing about being a human is that you can't see your own shit, really, you know, which is why this collective stuff, I think, is if, if there's anything is close to being a solution, I think what must be part of it and is also the hardest part of it is creating spaces where we're able to reflect together on things and be in spaces where people can say, hey, I noticed that you did this thing and I think that's a little shit, 
because it had the other way, impact. right? I just Ooh. noticed that. Do you realize how good that is? Exactly. Like, oh, it's not. No, 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 no idea. Yeah, you have, you know, oh, yeah. you've hit the nail on the head. So we were having one of our. So we've got what we call aqua sessions, which are learning sessions where we come together around particular frameworks and the, um, based in um, Mataranga Māori, which is amazing. I'm really lucky to work with some incredible Māori practitioners. Mm -hmm. These beautiful ways and framings of thinking about things differently. And one of the things that came up is the. Um, Māori um, proverb or whakatauki, um, and I, I won't try and say it today because it's terrible, but it's basically like about humility. Okay. And it's be like the kumara doesn't talk about its sweetness, you know. <laughs> and so we were talking about that because what we noticed is that we could talk about each other's, as you're saying, contributions. You did this thing and it was amazing and I noticed it, but we don't do it for ourselves. So we actually changed our reflection process to include a, I noticed you do this thing, what do you think about that? You know, like, and one of the people that I work with is a space holder. Like, honestly, she just walks into a space and you're like, oh, you're like bathed in this kind of ability to be different that I don't have, you know, and I don't need to have because she's got it. Yeah. You know, but what I have is the ability to kind of, as I was saying with that directness, go in and go and like this thing, you know. And she might not have that, it's just in that collaborative approach. Exactly. Thing. But if we weren't able to, as you were saying, kind of pull that out of each other and create that space, we wouldn't be able to build practice around it. There's a great Einstein quote. <laughs> Nothing great was ever done alone. Right, I think yeah. that's an Einstein yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. Or at least attributed to. I'm not an Einstein. Let's, let's go there. <laughs> yeah. Either that or it was Kanye. I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> one of the two. Let's just agree. I mean, it's a great thing. I mean, I love the I, I, sort of collective is my go-to word at the moment. Nice. Right. Is that um, right? Yeah. Just because mm. it, yeah, it, it requires it and it's, it's really yeah. tough and, 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 but it's important. So yeah. I think that, that ability to get it, um, I think, yeah, is, is really important. and But a collective of people that are, I mean, we're really circling back to where we started, like actually legitimately want to yes. help 100%. and share the right values. And yeah. I think, you know, that's the, yeah. I reflect, I mean, a lot of my sort of transformation stuff is through that lens. Well, one, through my current work, but two, mm. through the lens of uh, post. And then when I came out, mm. I actually did some sort of more sort of coaching and training around sort of teaching executives to be more agile. It's crossing mm -hmm. mm -hmm. around sprints and stuff. Yeah, but framework. Anyway, but, um, and so that's sort of my frame of reference mm. for, uh, for all of this sort of, it is challenging. Everybody's got the same sort of issues, but they persist. Yeah. You know, persist. and there's a, there's a, what was sort of quite helpful for me, I think, is mm. in, so I, I was the general manager of customer experience for New Zealand Post, so I ran all the front end bits, mm. very, quite a traditional role, but started to think about customer experience, right? So, mm -hmm. and when you think about customer experience, you have to think about, oh, the customer <laughs> and designing back. So that was sort of where, where I guess the, the everything sort of started for me and, nice. and, and sort of this sort of thing. But then I, I, I went and, and got the sort of role that was head of digital stuff. So all of the all of the stuff that um, New Zealand Post have been doing to be more digital and to ultimately stave off disruption was, mm. hey, go and figure that out. Yeah. Right. And 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 so what was really interesting, sort of a, a real visceral feeling was New Zealand Post had spent so much money in the previous decade trying to do it. Really good people, like mm. really good yeah. people, like people that I thought were awesome mm. had spent money on shit that you know, we yeah. hosed against a wall. It's that classic sort of thing. Yeah. But what was what was really impactful for me is they were great people. I knew they were great mm -hmm. people. And so I, I, yeah. I knew it wasn't as simple as, oh, they were just idiots and I'm going to yeah. do it better. 
yes. right? Which is what yeah. most organisations sort of think. You suffer from that. And so that's what led me down the, there has to be a different way. Otherwise, I'm going to end up in yes. exactly the same spot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and so that was quite helpful for me because it sort of kicked me onto a different path <laughs> that was, um, hey, let's just be a little Resonates. bit more curious about mm. what might some other ways to operate be. Otherwise, I'm just going to do the mm. same thing. But again, yeah. I suppose personally, personality trait that not a lot of people would probably imbue uh, that mm. idea of having the insight to, to or foresight or whichever mm. one you want to think to go, mm. yeah, this has been done and I need to swim in a, di- in a different way. In a different way, yeah. And mm. in a different direction or at least bring a different way, uh, a set of language, a new set yeah. of tools or whatever or inspire other people and bring those people into the yeah. team rather than because that team didn't work. Because it might be a, also how much is... Like there's a great, one of the most popular TED talks out there, and I can't remember the name, so forgive me. You're gonna have to Google it yourself. But it's about uh, a guy who's a, a senior investor. He's been doing it a VC, been doing it for donkey's years, mm-hmm. and he just decided to deconstruct where his success came from. Mm-hmm. And he put up a lovely little graph. It's like an eight-minute talk, ten-minute talk about everything he's won, mm-hmm. you know, and he's invested vast amount of millions over this, mm-hmm. and he's made more back. And he said. The number key ingredient of my success mm-hmm. has nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with timing that I can only draw a line back to after the fact. Yeah. So it was a set of technologies mm-hmm. with the right people and with the yes. right market mm-hmm. at the right time with the right promo or story yeah, that yeah, made yeah. it happen for mm-hmm. me. It wasn't me being cool enough to know that this is the, the mm-hmm. post that I'm going to back. And timing is the biggest and most crucial t- key for success in startups. Now, I'm not saying that applies to what you were doing, but that intra- well, entrepreneurship. Yeah, a hundred Yeah, yeah the, you, that startup mentality of trying something different, innovation back. How much is it we got to forgive ourselves that if we do fail, is like, yeah. I was maybe ahead of the curve. Maybe the curve's not even drawn That's yet. It. This you will know? make sense later. Yes, mm-hmm. it will. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, and that mindset thing. I think I I may have underestimated you know, that point that because I, I, I'm just an average Joe, right? Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I, but I might have underestimated the amount of people that yeah. actually have that, not the ability to do it, but. Yeah just the sort of the internal permission to think differently because it is mm. it's it is it's it's dangerous it, it gets it back to my safety thing right mm. that um that what my core value inside my company is psychological safety okay. uh, mostly because yeah. i didn't feel it in my previous job okay yeah. so that's right. the one thing you want yeah. to ensure that rapid kind of yeah to be yourself and and create the conditions that those sorts of things you know i I mean essentially i i and this i'm not saying this is right but this is a personal view right i i felt like i I was operating in an extended run of the game of thrones right and and that's um that's challenging to to sort of do all the things that we talk about Mm. high Um, intensity yeah yeah Yeah. and so so that sort of yeah creating the i was a stark by the way but um (laughs) The <laughs> you know, the the conditions for that, I think you know, uh, and being able to sort of work your way through it, because you still, all, all of those things being true, you still have to do something. I think yeah. that's your point, right? So, you still have to do something. so, creating the mindset to do something without knowing that it is ultimately going to be successful, because if you if mm-hmm. that is the condition that it has to be successful, you just won't start. Yes. Right, and so that you've yeah. got this sort of thing that someone started. Because that's yeah. your, we've got to do stuff. Yeah. And so it's, you it's are. Yeah. yeah, doing stuff without knowing exactly where it's going to end up. That's yeah. a mindset it is. thing. That's, and back to yeah. jamming. 
right? Yeah, yeah, when you jam yeah, with yeah. someone, yeah. you're like, I'm just going to lay a beat down. You come in, oh, we're going yeah. in that direction. Oh, that's, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, but now I overlay it with an organization that says, it's okay to fail, DK. Mm. Is it? Yeah, that's, really? that's what <laughs> really? you say. Yeah. It's really, because it's yeah. not true. It's not true. It's it not true. true. Yeah. And so I'm going to do some complexity theory geeking out stuff now. So bear with me. Because there was a couple of things that you guys were talking about that just like, it was sort of pattern bingo stuff for me where it was like, yeah. oh, that's part of that. So part of it is it makes sense in hindsight. So when you're operating in complexity, you can't predict. It's one of the defining features of a complex system. Mm. And some of the metaphor they use is it's the difference between a watch and a swallow or a bird. Mm -hmm. It's a New Zealand one. Let's say a um, tui. tui. Mm -hmm. So a watch is incredibly complicated. It's made up with a vast amount of parts. If I pulled it apart, I would not be able to put it together again. Mm -hmm. It requires expertise. And as you're saying, mastery, right? So jamming. If I was to try and play the drums in a band, I don't think it would go the same, you know, it'd be slightly yeah. different. Yeah. Maybe if I had a, what is it called, a recorder? Because, you know, oh, yeah. you never so, forget how to record, yeah. you know, <laughs> that, that is instilled in you from an early age. But there is a level of mastery that's required to be able yeah. to figure out what's going on and to solve it. But it's still parts solvable. Yeah. solvable. Yeah. Whereas with the swallow or perhaps a collection of, or as we were saying, the tui, a collection of them, there's agency. There is a creature that is making a choice that you cannot predict. There is patterns. You can make sense of it. You can say the likelihood is they might do these things. And the simpler the creature, the more predictable it is. We're talking about sea cucumbers, for example. However, there is still a level of unpredictability because of that agency. So if we now think about human systems, an organization being one of those, an expression of those, and it's actually multiple systems. Like you were, I think you mentioned it's, it's nested, yeah. you know, there's these nested systems within systems. Mm. Like if you have two people in a room, you have culture and you have a system, you know? And so the idea, just like once you actually come to this place, like you were saying you, you, you get to, you learn something that just changes the way you think. This is one of those things for me where I was like, how did we ever think we could do this? You know, like do a program that was going to change people. Because I have a change man. I'm a recovering oh, change manager. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one of the key models is ADCAR, which is if people are aware and they have desire, knowledge, this is where I get a bit lost, ability, reinforcement. Yeah. yeah. Then change. Change happens. Right. Brilliant. But it doesn't work. And we know that, but we keep doing it, right? And one of the things in complexity theory is it kind of challenges some of the fundamental assumptions that underpin these ways of thinking, which is that if people have capability, they'll do it. That's not true. I smoked until I was 30 years old. I was capable of not smoking the whole time. Mm. You know, I knew all about how terrible it was. It was, look, I was buying packets according to the awful pictures on the front. Oh, can I have the one with the rotten teeth, please? You know, like <laughs> I knew, you know. And like one could argue that there were other sort of incentives that went in place, but I did have all the incentives. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted mm. to live a good life. I have family members that have passed away from cancer. You know, like I had all those things. It's not why I was doing it. Yeah. And the solutions in terms of quitting weren't about it. Mm. And when I did quit, it literally just happened. I went on a trip to Vietnam. I bought $2 packets of cigarettes every day and it smoked so much that I got really unwell. 
that's not why I quit. But then I came home and it just stopped. Yeah. I still have my final packet of cigarettes at home yep. and I haven't had one since. Mm. And I have no idea why. I can't explain it to you because it's complex. So is your, your work then an attempt to find the complexity key? I think you're going again. No way, I love that. Yeah. It's good, right? Yeah. I hope you do that in your facilitation. I will now. You're constantly like, <laughs> I haven't had the fucking gun yet. I'm doing, you've had it twice. <laughs> you're right? going to get it. I know. Oh, sorry, dude. You deserve it. I'll, oh. I'm leveling Next up. Next time you say man, something. <laughs> 100% so, that. Right. And I think it does touch on what you were saying. It's like, we've, we don't know the answer and that feels uncomfortable. So when people are like, okay, well, if it's not all these ways that we've done it before, what is it? What is it? Yeah. Well, we don't know. Mm. That's the whole point. And like, maybe we can figure it out. And maybe it's part of the things we already know. Maybe it's new things, you know, like no one's here to assume the answer. And I think that's where the challenge is. And this is touching on what we were talking about before, because people want it. Yes, there's a desire they say they for want it. it. Yeah. 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 But actually, when you come to, to sell it, yeah. it's not appetizing. You know, it's, oh, well, it's probably going to be uncomfortable and messy and we don't know the answer. We will definitely get it wrong. It'll probably cost a lot of money, but it's the right thing to do. You know? That's fascinating what you just framed in a selling context, right? Because mm. now you're like, how do you sell something that's unappetizing an, an but is mm. right? Mm. Yeah, that's yes. and that asks climate change. Mm. I mean, it's, it's all around us, right? I, I think, and this is this is the this is why it's such. I mean, I don't know how many times we've clocked up the word complexity. There's a lot, <laughs> right? Um, but um, I, I, hey. I go on. Um, I mean, because that was my that uh, that sort of. I found the Kinevan framework, mm -hmm. good Welsh thing, mm -hmm. um, and that, that helped me a lot because yes. it just helped me with the, oh, that's right, simple and complicated mm. is the way our organisation works, but this is complex, therefore. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing that sort of happened, which was really impactful, I, I um, if this is interesting, but the, uh, we were having sort of professional development conversations mm. um, and, you know, go to the business school and do some sort of executive mm. MBA sort of thing. Mm. And I and I said, I don't want to go to B school, I want to go to the D school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everybody said, What's the D school? Like no one knew. The, mm. There was this thing in at Stanford University and so on. Yeah. But but post sponsored me to go. Cool. It's pretty cool. Which was incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, just incredible on a number of levels, right? Mm. Um and and that, uh, yeah. So that was another one of those things that just because mm. what I what I did there is I um, is I found my tribe. Yeah, of course. Well, that's cool. You know, I, well, you were you, know, you there? I was there 2013, and, and yeah. then I went back a couple of times. So because it's just a, a story of reinforcement. I, I I used what they had sort of espoused design mm. thinking methods to try and behave differently inside New Zealand Post, and they really mm. liked that. So they Great. sort of had me back to talk about my experiences. Nice. So it was course, amazing. A national organisation in yeah, New Zealand, and yeah. so that, and it was, and that was a real privilege and mm. a real reinforcement. Mm. Yeah, you know, I wonder how I would have been able to cope mm. without that level of oh, I, it's yeah. not me. I am actually normal. I can still remember, you know, when I um, when I left the first time, I was, you know, so I just had this amazing time with amazing people in an amazing space, yeah. and I had to go back, and I cried. Yeah. And I said, whoa, mm. what is that? And what yeah. it was is I'd found my people. It wasn't, I'd, mm. I'd moved from I'm this crazy person who doesn't fit yes. 
to um, actually, it's not, yeah, it's not me, it's my environment. And so that mm. was that was sort of really important for my, and my team, because I was able to sort of yeah. sort of build that into the team. And then the, the other the other thing that happened in there was, um, I met a guy called Bob Sutton, and Bob, mm. um, I was sort of talking, before I went on, I was talking about all the challenges that I was facing. There was, there was lots, you know, all of the complex things, trying to move things forward, few steps forward, few steps back, lots of politics, all that sort of stuff that we yeah. talked about. And I, and, and I was about to do a talk mm. to a whole bunch of executives from around the world about how, sort of how great I was doing. Mm. And I did not feel great, right? And, um, and he said, oh, we've just written this book um, mm. uh, called Scaling Up Excellence. And, um, mm. uh, and it's an amazing book. And he said, we've had done about a thousand interviews and we've interviewed people all over the, wo- all over the world. And what, what we haven't found a single example of innovation, like real systemic innovation, mm. that didn't begin with a person mm-hmm. or a small group of people yeah. doing the incredibly difficult, incredibly unsexy job that is actual innovation. Yes. You are the front lines. There is friendly fire. Oh. There is any, and him giving me that permission to like actually that. it's the environment, right? It's yeah. not me. And that was... Mm-hmm. Um, that was helpful for my sort of mental health, I think, as yeah. much as anything. That, it's yeah, it's, and, and that's why I can sort of feel the, yeah. the importance of the work you do, because it is important, mm. right? And mm. doing nothing is not an option. So no, this how, is do we, how do we enable mm. people like you? Yeah, that's, that's a really important but difficult subject. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And thank you for sharing that, because I think that is, it resonates very much for me. And also, so I have lived experience of mental health distress and addictions for myself and my whanau, and it's something that I do both so there's a whole professional sphere of that. There's a bunch of us crazy people that get together and talk about how important it is to talk about being crazy. Mm. Um, and that's one of those words that I'm allowed to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a reclamation. Um, but there's this whole concept within this space, and it's in the broader disability sector. of it. It's called the social model or the right space model, which is that it's not that there's something inherently wrong with me. It's that society views it that way. And I think that that's a thing that applies to all of us. And I think as you were sharing that experience of being in a space where it's like, I feel like there's something inherently wrong with me. And then you go somewhere and you're like, oh, actually, like, it's not that, uh-huh. you know, and you find tribe, like, that's huge. And I think that is a theme in a way of working is really something that I'm exploring around. It touches on some of the stuff you were saying around the psychological safety and also the psychological bravery that's required to be able to be your full and authentic self in spaces. Like, how do we do that? Because it is that space to go be that small cohort of humans that are like, we are, like you were saying, ahead of the curve and we are willing and able and have the things that we need to be pushing against it. And it is rough, it is hard. And the other thing that you said that I think is so important is the kind of the boring innovation or the, what we call the bureaucracy innovation, which is the stuff that isn't sexy and no one gives a stink about, but makes it possible. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. And it starts at the beginning and it goes all the way through and it's the boring shit that everyone's like, oh, no one cares. And it's not the stuff that I think, and I don't want to talk poo-poo on human-centered designers, for example, or people that are really kind of in that stage of the double diamond and thinking that that's the solution. It's going to solve everything, yeah. You know. But it's one way of looking at things. But part of the challenge with it is it's the idea that, like, um, as long as you're generating ideas, you're doing well. 
you know, and it's actually the boring innovation is the making sure that you can get to that place in the first place and then what happens afterwards. It's the policies, it's the remuneration, it's the making sure that people have Kai in your workshops, you know, like it's a whole raft of different things that I think people don't think about. And it's sitting in those really boring board meetings every month for like three years to try and convince people to try something a bit different that creates a space for that cohort of people to maybe do something different. And so it's so great to hear that people are seeing that, you know, because I think what's, we're back to selling what gets sold in terms of innovation is we'll run this process or we'll set up a hub and, you know, Create post a new it product notes or we'll do a thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. you know, or here's a new insights report that's going to change the world. And it's like, I think those things are part of it and must be. I'm not saying it's not those things. I'm just saying it's not only those things, you know. Mm. And maybe if we can also value the boring innovation, um, and the and the those of us that are doing the boring innovation work, the policy wonkery, right? Because yeah. no one gives a shit about policy until it impacts After life. the fact, and you know, yeah. you know, oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it, right? Great book called Idea Flow. Ooh. Yeah, if mm. you haven't read it, read it. It's uh, two guys, Jeremy and Perry, both actually at the D School, but they oh, cool. the most important metric, uh, they say, is essentially mm. idea generation for exactly that reason. Yeah. You know, we get, um, we've got to get good at um, at being comfortable generating ideas because we don't, no yeah. one knows which ones are going to work. Like yeah. in a complex thing, we're just going to yeah. you know, try and shorten the feedback loops and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah I, I think we're getting better at talking about it. I think mm. you know. So mm. I, 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 I sort of, I went there a decade ago, mm. and they were worried then about um, the the way the term design thinking was being used. They yeah. were worried about exactly what you just mentioned. Right, um, and so, but you know, and, but anyway, th that was a decade ago. There's now yeah. sort of the the words are more common, but the mm. Mm. it's almost like the, we've just got this real theatre, you know, that people are, you know, people are sort of. I know exactly how I'm supposed to behave, and yep. uh, you know, and mm. but and we're going to schedule an ideation session with post it. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. And we know where to put them. And and some sort of sprint, divergent, you know? convergent. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and um, and so I, I, that's I worry about that, and I I, I, I worry about that, and I, I know my frame of reference is an organisation, which is only one type of complex mm. system, but yeah, I do worry about organisations that mm. uh, that use the words but but don't have the yeah. You know, we we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see more about diversity in the way we think. Agreed. As much as the what, yeah, you know, and that yeah. I think is the next thing. I do have a lot of optimism for the next generation because yeah. I think there is a very, you know, there is a very significant generational. We have always done it this way, yeah, you know, and mm. and that sort of breaking down a little. Yeah, I can yeah. see that breaking yeah. down. Mm. Um, uh, but you know, that's because you know, I, I, as I say, I would, I, would, I would coach executives on this idea of sort of mm. all the stuff we're sort of talking about, and mm. every single organisation I turned up to, it always got around to management. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and I, we had to approach it as uh, well. That's part of the complex system, and how we're going to yeah. try and all that sort of stuff because you can't yeah. fix it; it's not doing anything wrong. Yes. All that sort of stuff, but yeah. it, it is it is an issue, right? Yeah. Mm. That if you've got a leadership team, which is well, it's not us that has to change; it's mm. you that has to change. Yep. You need to be more agile. Yeah. Right. right? Mm. Um, and so that yeah. Anyway, I, I, mm. we're getting examples. I think where it, it is being done well. Nice. And I think that helps because people can try and copy. But I mm. yeah, I just think this idea of enshrining the sort of stuff we're talking about and make it much more normal yeah. uh, is still a challenge. But. Agreed. I think 
sorry. No, you go. I just want to pick up because I think there's something in there is the adoption of the language and the process, but not the meaning and the meaning making and the making sense of things. Because I think like co-design is a term often used, but really practiced well, Yeah. you know. And I think and I'm being really thoughtful about how I frame this. You know, there's a lot of um, organizations that now it's their core offering, right? Which is um, sort of corporate consulting and professional services of which I've worked at. So, you know, I come with dirty hands to this, which is kind of like you sell it as a package, yeah. you know, like, oh, we'll co-design with your community around these really big issues and then good luck, you know, because the, the model is inherently one of creating dependency, which is the opposite of what we're talking about, which is building the capability and the momentum around a whole new way of doing things. You can't really do that if you're charging $250 an hour. Mm you know and that's not a criticism of those things but it is just this broader narrative we're now kind of coming into and around. i can buy it i can buy being fixed that's it because if you can if i can buy being fixed i'll buy it because i want to be fixed yes you know and and yeah i completely agree i mean that was mm. going to be one of my questions for you was this mm. idea of change from without versus change from mm -hmm. within i find mm. having seen you doing both sides yeah right mm. um yeah. and i was interested in your thought about about yeah, which I think you were largely leaning into the year yeah. is it gives you a different lens to sort of think about capability and mm. what happens once we're gone and yeah, 100%. yeah, I think it's a really interesting. I think resonant with what you were saying around, um, I see myself as kind of like a methodology um, consumer. So like when I first started out, I'd graduated out of uni with a psych degree, and I was like, now what do you do? Because you can't actually be a psychologist <laughs> until you go and do more study because, you know, universities are smart and know how to make money. Um, but I got into quality improvement in the healthcare system. So Lean Six Sigma and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And I was like, okay, so, and this is what I mean, like the whole sector drank the Lean Six Sigma Kool-Aid is the way that we're going to do this now. And so it's part of that. And it achieved some amazing results, but not all of them because it can't. You know, one way of doing things is not the jam. Mm. And so it was that, and then it was um, IHI, which is an American-based improvement methodology, and then kind of I just started learning about different things, and then I came into human-centered design practices, and I did some design thinking training, and so I've kind of like been, <laughs> feels like I'm clawing my way through like this pool of muck um, <laughs> to try and figure out how to solve things. And now I've come to this point where I'm like, oh, it's this whole pool. Yeah, it's, you know? it's all of it. It's yeah. all of it. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily, and this is back to your point about collectivity, like I don't need to be the master of all of these things, but I could be, have some level of mastery, the drum playing, in bringing those different people in this pool together to try and work on these things. Um, and that's kind of where I, I see myself. And as part of that journey, it was kind of like, so I started working in, public and then I was like oh I'll go try in private because maybe it's different there and I was like oh no nah, people are people <laughs> slightly different problems and there's an agility in the private sector that I was like oh this is amazing mm. people just make decisions and then do that <laughs> what <There's a> budget <laughs> you know? as well yeah, yeah literally <laughs> so much money um but people humans you know change still happens in weird and wonderful ways and so then I was kind of like okay well I'll try and working on different problems and different problem spaces and now it's again that same sort of thing of being like oh these are the things that feel similar and these are the things that feel different 
it's that distillation down to it is about forming collective and a lot of that I think is just humaning it's just being human and the more I've come to that place and the more I've realized I have to learn how to human which is the worst I hate it so much but that is actually the change because mm. I think something that we've talked about um, and I think there's a wonderful picture and image of someone standing up on stage saying who wants change and everyone puts yeah. their hands up yeah. you know and it's like who wants to change and hands up, mm -hmm. you know so if we learn as in, as individuals and as the cohorts that we were talking about to change then maybe we're creating those new practices and ways of being that allow change to happen in our spaces um i also think something that we've talked about a little bit you mentioned the curve there is a whole recognition of knowing that maybe what I'm doing is always being at the front end of things, which means that my thing won't be successful, but it creates the conditions for the next if thing. If I could do the pop, I would do the pop. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it does feel good. good yeah. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. That is hard. Yeah. Because we become so, like, I, I really struggle with this. I'm a, someone who's had to really learn how to let go of, go of should. I'm a shoulda. And I've been a shoulda since very early on. This idea that there's a right way or a, of doing or being, and it should be this way. I still have to do a lot of work to be like, yes, and we work in a broader context and people and a whole raft of things. And maybe this is, there's that other saying, um, you shoot for the moon, if you miss, you hit the, like the stars. You land in the stars, Exactly. Yeah. But it's actually about the technology that you had to build and the people and the coalitions you had to build mm. to build the thing that got you into the stars. Yeah. That's what you leave behind, you know. Mm. And the conditions for building another rocket or, I don't know, some other methodology of getting, shooting a Tesla into space, you know, like or mm. however we do it now. It's the building of the infrastructure in a way and I mean that in a social way to be able to do the things and if like to me now in my career that's my focus I'm really fascinated capability is one of those things like being capable of doing not just method and stuff but that being a human and doing humaning together yeah, like I, that's my jam I really like that I think um yeah the that really resonates with me I think one of the yeah as part of this sort of thing we book we brought together a group of people and gave them permission to operate differently. That, mm. that team has gone on to do incredible work. Nice. Like you just, everybody. Yeah, because mm. it's such important foundational things, right? So you know it's important. You know that mm. foundation is being built. And I think, um, yeah, it is. And then, yeah, to bring it back to sort of the, the, the selling thing, there's a great book by Dan Pink, To Sell as Human. Oh, yes, yeah. Right. And, um, and, and to your point, well, how I'm a human. How would I mm. sell the things I do? Cool. Well, do that. No, 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 but selling's this. <laughs> no, that's what selling was. You know, it's, yeah. it's what it was, right? And so that's that sort of nice sort of sort of closed circle on that yes. sort of thing because that's absolutely where I operate too. Nice. You know? It was something that both of you were saying was taking me back to something, a slide that I used to have in a, a very old presentation deck. Uh, I used to run a company called Media Snack. It was all about merging technologies around the mid two thousand and six and oh onwards when blogging wasn't as cool and <laughs> podcasting back then and yeah. blogging for five years uh, wow. before I even started that 
So I was always a nerd in that capacity. But I remember in one of my slides where I used to go and try to build capability mm -hmm. and capacity within organizations, mm -hmm. the two evil C's. Yes. Um, in organizations, try to inspire them to get excited about this, this new land of the internet, that was kind of thing. And one of my slides was uh, two old gentlemen playing like an Xbox or something, mm. you know, like a PlayStation thing. And that was my slide. But I, I used that to introduce a concept of neoteny, mm. which is a lovely word once you get your head around it. Mm. And it's beautiful in terms of what it means. Now, neoteny uh, means like uh, juvenile traits in, in, in adulthood, right? Ah. Neoteny. And what mm. I meant it to mean from a context, context of why I've shown it was mm. play. Play, play yeah. as an important strategy to learn and yeah. explore and to come up with different ideas. Because mm -hmm. the web at that point was just a playground, right? <laughs> and to make it work, you had to push buttons, mm -hmm. right? Usually the mouse button and stuff. You didn't have that. And your internet would go oh. ring, 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 Yeah, ring, exactly. Yeah. But the, or the web, if you think about it, everything is a button to push, you know. You mm. might scroll, but everything had a button. So the idea was that we had to develop this playful etiquette mm -hmm. back into organizations and companies to allow people not only the space to play but okay. also the, you know the literacy yes, to play around yeah. and in that discovery modality mm. you would now find that wow the web can do this and that and x y yeah. and z and while we should get onto this as an organization or a leadership circle should know about this stuff because it's yeah. very important in the future of mm. our direction as you a would company have done plenty of talk first. Yeah, yeah playing as a learning strategy yeah. I you know, that. is never used in adulthood. Which Whereas you know, the younger you are, play yeah. how important play is to learn. Yeah. And the older we get, play dissipates from our learning kind sad. of approach. And it's mm. really odd if you think about it. Because yeah. also now in the arena we work in and yeah. the society we live in, mm. what would be deemed as play to mm -hmm. learn, which is like hobbies. Nobody yeah. has hobbies anymore. Yeah. Which are things that you just do and play with that with yeah. no outcome in mind of hustling and yeah. doing side hustles or something. Yeah. No, 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 just play and money. explore and have fun with it, you know? So and I think that's one of the, the key elements that I found when I used to then train and facilitate mm. learning, whatever that might be, yeah. was we used to hide the play <laughs> constantly in the learning mm. right, and get people to do things, we just get them to play, really. We yeah. give them bigger names of what yeah, we were doing. Yeah. So yeah. like feel robustly kind of, you know, yes, astute about spending time mm. on this discovery modality or something. Mm. And it's like, no, you play it. We ask you to play with it's something. I don't know where that fits with what you oh, were all I saying. I think it's huge. Mm. I think on a personal note, like it's something I've realized as you're saying that I've lost. So we, right. we got our dog, Monty, who you've been mm -hmm. lucky enough to meet. Mm -hmm. um, he is now five years old, but when we first- He's a dog, by the way. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got um, ourselves a Monty, a good point. five year old I, It's now. like, I just assumed- <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows Monty is a dog. You know, I didn't like, get a child, but that's possible. <laughs> yeah. um, so our dog Monty came on the scene and he was obviously the epitome of play. And I didn't quite know how to cope with it. Mm. And my partner had to kind of like hold my face and be like, you can be playful. You don't just have to be a disciplinarian because being a good parent to me, doggy parent, boundaries, yeah. boundaries, boundaries discipline yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's a whole raft of previous life experience that brings me to that place. Mm -hmm. And so there was this whole way for me to learn how to be playful wow. and silly and like that that was fine and mm. it was fascinating to me that i didn't know and i had to learn you know and or relearn probably thank you yes. and having the benefit of being in therapy for a very long time recommend everyone should have a therapist Definitely. um 
having this conversation about that. And again, it takes us to that place of safety. Mm. You need safety to play, you know, and I have some lived experiences and growing up with really well-intended parents, but in environments where it wasn't safe to be playful. Mm. And so I think about that as a strategy, as you're saying, of learning and also about reconnecting with safety, mm. you know, like feeling like you can explore and do silly things. And um, also touching on what you were asking me earlier around how do I stay within these spaces? And I mentioned that I just burnt out. So like, probably coming up a year and a half, two years ago, I was in a role within an organization. It was really hard. And I got to about 18 months and I was like, for the sake of everything Everyone. in my life, <laughs> this, yeah. I'm out, you yeah. know? And I was working in a co-leadership role with an amazing woman that I'm still really lucky to keep working with, who she said to me, again, a face-holding moment. She was like, you need to get out. Because wow. we, we had a practice, which is, Am I able to show up and be the version of myself I need to, to do this work? And I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I can. I'm falling into the things that I know create the, 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 ch the challenges. Mm. And so I stepped out. And then I was like, I need to pick up hobbies. I need to like have life. I need to be playful, you know? And so I've been doing permaculture and mm -hmm. furniture restoration. And um, recently I got married and, and the vows my now husband said to me, you know, like he promises to support my hobby of acquiring hobbies mm -hmm. because that's what I do. It's not necessarily that I now want to be a furniture restor restorer mm -hmm. and I have to make sure I don't fall into the, that idea of it becoming a hustle, but it's more the learning and it's yeah. a trying a new thing. So over, over Easter, we built an outdoor bath and he helped with a lot of the building stuff, but now we did a thing and it's a project and it's mm. a hobby and I have a lot more of that going on in my life and I prioritize that um, and training for a half marathon, which is ridiculous, but you know, and I'm not sure if that's a hobby, but it's a, a learning, a yeah, 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 you know, that's outside of me just working because I, that's my way of being a good person in the world was to be good at my job. Okay. That's you what know? you probably saw and learned. Oof, yeah. So that's went to uni to be a good person, you know, like that was the right thing to do. I actually went to study law, which is hilarious now that I think about it and I hated it, um, pivoted, did psychology and history of art, but going to uni was the good person thing to do, you know, and then having a good job and then being promoted. And I went into management and I managed some humans and I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> um, for them and for me, you know, but that kind of disconnecting from the sense of what I'm supposed to be and actually being present with who I am and what's going on and incorporating more play and allowing that you know, I think has made a huge difference. So the fact that you were talking about this, when was it? Like 2007, <laughs> you know? yeah. you're ahead of the curve, man. Oh, I well, just found that. a cool word. <laughs> it is a very cool word. It is a, good it is word. a very cool word. Yeah. Retention of juvenile traits in ad adulthood. Yeah. I still remember that. Yeah, but I, yeah, look, I think it is a great subject. I, yeah, you can, I can just feel the earth tilt with the eye rolls, right? <laughs> it's okay yeah. to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? cute. Well, because that's what, yeah, and, mm -hmm. and sort of this, you know, the design is not just the pretty pictures department, right? There, the, yeah. There's some real substance to this, that, that it is happening, and yeah. I, I think we referenced it before, but, you know, senior management is much more serious. This is a, mm -hmm. this is a very serious task. Yeah. yeah, but I also find that I used to do seminars to leadership groups uh, around this emerging technology space, and I always used to start with the grown-up stuff. Mm. 
uh, yeah. very simply is to start with a business case, the ROI. Yeah. You know, yeah. I said today I'm going to think about your print budget because I knew they were five million plus turnover companies, right? Mm. Think about your print budget. I'm going to halve that for you today. And for yes. many of you, that's like teams of people that you could hire mm. rather than just one person, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, oh, now you're interested. Mm. And I would like to show them how you can publish like your annual report online <laughs> versus yeah. like A print PD it and post it out, right? Because yeah. yeah. like we were still in that emergent space. Yeah. But then I was fighting you at New Zealand. Pardon? I was fighting you at New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> but I would constantly then play with them, you know, with the concept of potentiality, right? Mm. Of like uh, showing them a, a, what's going on behind the green curtain, you know, Wizard mm -hmm. of Oz reference. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah, this is all spangly, but really it's just this. So I would used to jump on in real time, show them how to mm. create blogs and do a picture with my phone, which is five, you know, my megabytes God. of camera thing mm. on it and whatever it was back then. Yeah. And like upload it, you know, and real, <laughs> I had a Bluetooth today across and it was like, Bluetooth, what's this thing? Burn him, he's a witch. <laughs> he got that from there and then he's put wow. it up and I can access it. it but I mean, you, you were Super early, right? And I think that's that sort yeah, of part of the part of the one of the issues because we've got lots of lots, lots of them. But one of, one of the sort of um, if, you, if if sometimes people ask me what does the next thing look like for in that mm. sales thing, and and I, I don't know because it's not perfect. But my my sort of best analogy at the moment is you think about the best salesperson you know, not the white shoe shuffling used car person, the the, the mm. coach and the guide and that sort of mm. thing. Uh, what would happen if that person had a baby with a YouTuber? <laughs> right. What? What yeah. would the? What no would that influence? Be? Uh, yeah. And so we think that's closer to yeah. future. What's scary about that for me is you've been doing this for you. Know, you were that early. You've been yeah. doing this for fourteen years. Yeah. And one of the things that we're um, that we're we're sort of working on is simple things like well, how do salespeople create content? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just you're native at it. You're talking about fourteen. Yeah. I'm not bad at it i've been doing it for a few years yeah. i can actually talk to camera i don't get completely freaked out uh -huh. but that's a that's a skill there's a yes. you know all of that sort of thing yeah. and, and actually it's okay to have an opinion mm. because your yeah. customers want to hear that yeah, you know and all that, that that's that's all new stuff so i think that's part of the yeah. you know when you sort of say you were doing it 2000 you know it's yeah. a now it's so much skill. easier well it's so much easier yeah. but it's still a new oh my God, yeah. still a new skill got to put yourself yeah. out there you know the bigger challenge i think nowadays and this might come back to your juicy problem some of the stuff that you do is mm. the signal to noise ratio uh -huh. yeah. Because back yeah, when I was playing, there weren't much noise, yeah. so the signal could get yeah. through to these organisations yeah. and stuff. And if you That's were so just playing around so as a blogger, mm. you know, early doors, yeah. you very quickly could have a blog roll. Remember, we used mm -hmm. to have blog rolls on the side, which you'd link other people's blogs who <laughs> liked your stuff and stuff. Um, and you owned your own content, so data sovereignty was yeah. was king yeah. back in the day when social media was a thing. Now it's completely reversed, and now okay, we're talking gone. about it again in different contexts. Mm. But the idea now of availability of mm. this stuff because of technology convergence, you can yeah. do everything in your phone. But I always think the next step is, is the wrong question. I, th mm. I think mm. you're missing the good shit if you're talking about the next step. And we used to have, we used to have all these sayings in my training when it was back in the day. And we actually made them into a book back in the day called oh. Zen and the Heart of Social Media. Took all our sayings and just wrote chapters on them. That's One of my favorite ones was, it's not a mountain to climb, it's a, a wave to catch. Ooh. Because most people would look at technology 
and anything in the change space mm. and go, oh, right, we got to just like achieve this. Yes, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you do realize this is going to change the second you step in. Yes, right? that's yeah. it. So think about it as a it's playful a wave. wave and that's even it. if you feel like you're already out of touch, it's going to be a couple more coming along. Yeah. So just hop on. Yeah. You're going to have a play and have a splash about. That's, and there's going to be yeah. more after this as yes. well, yeah. rather than something to scale and be completed. And I yeah. think that's the that's next stage is like, what's the next stage? Well, look, look around. What, what can you do now? You know, what can yeah. you do now? And Forget about the future. It. It's going to come without you, yes. yeah. you know, but if you're not using that's the tools now, sound. it's going to be harder to hop on the next wave. So yeah. just jump on now, jump in. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a really, it's also a really systems and complexity informed perspective, which is actually, so like, um, uh, Donella Meadows, amazing systems thinker, um, and you guys have heard of the iceberg model, which is kind of what you see at the top is just a little bit and then all yeah. right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, a build on that and um, they identified layers of leverage. Leverage, you know, the analogy that you've got, mm -hmm. um, the fulcrum yeah, and yeah. there's, you know. Yeah. So where can you have the highest impact for basically the, the least amount of effort? Gotcha. So okay. good systems thinkers are lazy. And so <laughs> the real ultimate form of leverage in a system is building the ability for the system to change itself. So what I hear and what you're saying is that actually what we're doing is teaching people how to be in water, how to learn how to surf, how to learn how to learn. Yes. Then what we're doing is you're saying is building the ability for them to deal with the next wave yeah. and what comes next. Yes. And I think that to me is really where I'm fascinated and I love working and I love building it and it's capability building but in a different there's a nuance to it it's not just learning a new skill it's learning to learn and it touches on the stuff we've been talking about which is yes. to reimagine and to be okay with that and to figure things out and to do that with others and it's like a different it's a playfulness it's a different way of doing things well yeah. that meta learning comes from that mm. curiosity right how can you ignite mm. curiosity in people yeah. and mm. That comes from the question I had years ago is like, oh, this is all cool and, and cool. And it's stuff I do now with speaker coaching, try and get people to mm. literally physically change or mm. from a language set change or change their attitude to something because they're so nervous about it. I've got to give them new ideas yeah. about or new narratives. And it does always come back to story for me as mm. the keys change mm. because you can change people by three ways. I come up with this. I, I, I might have read it, but it's stuck in my brain it's, anyway. It's uh, you can change people by three things, right? You can incentivize them. Mm. I'm going to pay you more money to do something. Mm. Okay, I'll come over to your, your side and play a little bit. Yeah. It might feel uncomfortable, but I got more money. So, or association, right? Mm. I'm cool, I'm hanging with this kid. I'm not like mm. digging it, but I'm still by association. I've changed my look mm. or whatever. Second one is to obviously threaten. You're going to lose your job if you don't get with this program. And so yeah. oh, I'm going to have to do this again. Or, mm. or like sticks horrible, but put a gun yep. in yep. someone's face, they're going to change their attitude and, and yeah. what they say. Blah, blah, blah. Third one, though, is the hardest one and it lasts the longest. has to inspire them. Yeah. Now, inspire is such a, a, a non-word in my world because yeah. when I speak to speakers yeah. and I work with them and I say, so what is the outcome of your talk? Yeah. They always say to inspire someone. Mm -hmm. you know, so I always caveat, with, what's the outcome of your talk? And you can't say inspire, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's a non-way. I want, I want like a, a credible action from the thing. Nice. And it could be that they gain information around this stuff. They then go yeah. and then do something different in their organ or whatever. Yeah. They use me or they contact me to get, boom, that's perfect. And nice. write them down. 
the inspire is the curio the ignite that curiosity yeah people if i could deconstruct inspire yeah so to inspire them to do something different you gotta do something else which is to mm. ignite curiosity to make yeah, them move forward wonder. and imagine a world if, yeah what could be what's possible what's the new bless you got to paint that in a narrative form yeah. so it does for me both your worlds always mm. come back to story mm. which might be yeah. wrong because i'm no, no, simplifying no, 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 and no, it's I only the world you, i know bang on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean I well bang on as, as much as i can say because i don't know either it unquestionably is is story related and i think mm. um you know and you know the other thing that you said which i which which really stuck with me is that because i'm a big you've got to catch the wave guy mm. cool. and i just really liked your there'll be another wave what i'm asking you to do is swim it's a different yeah. you know and yeah. that's a really helpful way of thinking about it yeah because this is the thing in my head you can see the macro happening mm. you know yeah. i i hope to be doing this for the rest of my career yeah and so with a with that lens mm. man this this thing's going to change right no one's yeah. going to debate that mm -hmm. cool mm -hmm. so really all we're yeah so there's going to be lots of waves so we're really yeah. just sort of saying get in and swim and yeah just a way of sort of framing reference that's really cool mm. yeah, yeah. it's really beautiful and it sounds like you're still working out the offer on the other end of it as well. Oh, there's a little bit of that. I mean, yeah. and so we've got practical realities, right? Got to pay the bills, yeah. all that yeah. sort of thing. Um, you know, running That's a small amazing. business is is tough, yeah. Um, yeah. but cool. I really sort of definitely my jam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but I think that the ultimate sort of vision is, is helping organisations get to this, what the role needs to be. Yeah. And your point that um, even small things now make big differences. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. And one of the things we do have to be careful with is not framing what we do is something out there. No, no, yeah. it's something today. You can do some things today yep. that will better suit what your buyers actually yeah. need that will drive up pipeline. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. important. Agreed. And I think that yeah. that I've learned that as much as I love the innovation thing, I, yeah. I feel like it, it's something that I am relatively good at. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, mm. it's hard to sort of make a business out of that you yeah. know, um, without just running workshops and sort this of stuff. It. Yeah, so yeah. so it's a combo for us, but that's the... That's mm. fascinating, yeah, yeah, but the workshops could lead on to other things, right? And then your testing as well, which is one of the big yeah, things we, you want to do, do with we, any... We definitely have a view, and I think that's... Yeah. yeah, you talk about storytelling, we talk about content. Mm. You know, they, I mean, I'm looking at you as a as a picture of someone that knows this really well. Mm. You know, you are the archetype, right? You, you are essentially the thing that we think Salespeople need to become. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm. I'm going to be a poster boy. You're right. You are the poster boy, DJ. <laughs> you know? That's and, um, my poster. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'll do my Valley's gang sign. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Double thumbs up. Like yeah, and because I mean, this is a this is important. <laughs> right. When I started selling, I I started selling in Wellington Central because that was where mm. I could walk. Okay. Yeah, right. Brian, and then okay. I got promoted, and they gave me a car, and I. Boom. I was you know, my yeah. territory was now Lower North Island because that was where I could drive. Right. Yeah. You've got people that you're influencing. All over the world, yeah. this um, this reach thing, people mm. getting mm. reach, yeah. has been a problem forever until about five years ago. Yeah, right. That now it's easy yeah. for an individual mm. to yeah. get reach. That was always a and that niches was a within yeah. reach as well. Yeah, because but that's, now that, there are communities online, probably a subreddit relating to your industry, and it's so niche because you make widgets for this only one. Yeah, that but that is, that is new, right? Mm. That, that yeah. ability for you as an individual to get that reach. Mm. Historically, that only marketing in organizations could get that reach, right? Yeah. That, that mm. was why marketing 
marketing did marketing and they built super the coin, right? they had the coin and they read, did ads yeah. and yeah. salespeople did one-to-one face conversations yeah. you know there's only so many face-to-face com- yeah mm. and so that's why marketing does marketing and sales does sales all of that changes because we all agree right people buy off people they trust yes yes um so now that this sort of individual the salesperson can mm. get reach mm. how does that change yeah. what you need the role to think about that's and it, it fundamentally and that's one of our that's one of the challenges right it changes yeah. we coined this term called sales making because we didn't like people talk about sales and marketing because yeah. i mean everybody's been talking about sales and marketing alignment yeah. Yeah. forever right? yeah we still exactly. talk about it because you know yeah. and it's like well hang on that's a that's a tell Mm. Why do we still talk about sales and marketing alignment after 20 years and billions of dollars spent on it, right? And it's, but yeah, our term is because you have to think about sales making. So, yeah, it's just a different way of framing the same thing, but Mm. you are the poster child. Nice one. Bless you for saying that. I don't think I am, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting double, double fingers guns from me. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're nearly up to an hour and a half. Wow. We, I know, I told you. Like, you were right. That's crazy. This has been great. <laughs> but I wanted to create space as well. Did you have any juicy questions for each other? Because I realised mm. we're just following tangents. But did you have anything that you wanted to ask or talk about? I mean, my big one was that sort of internal, external. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I, th- I think I got the one around how do you look after you. Yeah. Yeah, you because know, it's such important work. Yeah. I get, I mean... As I say, I mean, I'm working on this sort of sales and marketing thing, but you know, it matters. Well, it matters to me, and I think it matters, but it's nothing like that. And that, mm. you know, that's that raises the stakes, right? When the mission is so important, mm. you know, and I, yeah. yeah. I think um, further to it, I think I'm actually going to share something that um, my partner Joe talked about because he works in the environment, mm-hmm. um, and he did a uh, workshop and he did a bit of a talk in it and he spoke about the quantum of the issues being quite ridiculous and it was something like um, the mass of possums that we have in this country is the quantum of five battleships or something like that it's just immense like your brain can't brain it and we need to do something about it you know and so there's this building strategies to deal with the overwhelm of the complexity and as you're saying the nature of the, the challenges mm. um, because I'm also, because I do some work in the environment and it's kind of that thing of like what is, Donut Economics talks about the social floor and the ecological ceiling and how do we live within, we live well and thrive within those boundaries. And it also has to be um, balanced with that I am a person that's living a life and I want to live a good life. And so there's times where I have to say no to things and I'm not very good at that and I'm learning. Um, but it's also learning to say no within the boundaries of things, like what's possible. And um, I'm now working as a sole trader, as an independent, and I've kind of I've been an employee. I've worked in the professional services. I've set up a company for a period of time. And this now feels like the right thing, even if it's just for right now, because there's some I can practice my values a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I like. It's very easy for me to say because I work and I coach and I support people that are working within organisations where they're inherently is a conflict of values, you know, and I don't mean the ones that we put in the poster up in the coffee room, the actual practices of what's happening in organisations, which frankly is very dehumanising. What I see a lot is like the most resilient people kind of come in and it's like a firework and they're like, yeah, enthusiasm and values and then blah, 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 you know. 
And so I'm really interested in how we create, I don't know, I want to move away perhaps from the word resilience because I also think it's, um, capital aid is like, consume that word and it teaches us how to be resilient and what they mean is how do you stay in a really shitty environment like you were yeah. sharing right yeah, yeah. how do you stay in this awful place that treats you like crap and i don't want that i want how do we create practices to support people to change the environment around them mm -hmm. you know because that's actually what we're talking about both from that social and that ecological floor mm -hmm. And on a really personal, individual and relational level and then in a macro level and like building and learning from that place. And again, it's that thing I have to try and figure it out myself. Yeah. Like if I can do it and it's not because I'm a genius or, or like people will like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't mean it from a um, I'm leading the way kind of perspective, but more of a me learning to do it means that I can then learn with others. Yeah. And so me looking after myself has become critical, mm. you know, and people that I'm working with, it's something that we, and I probably lead the charge on in terms of this conversation around, yeah, but at, at what cost? It might be the right thing to do, but at what cost? And if it takes, frankly, too much, if it's asking too much, you're not getting time with your whanau, you're not able to be well physically, your mental health is struggling, then I'm sorry, but it's not the right thing. It can't, it just can't be. Like that has to be the answer. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't exist. I think it's a myth. I really yeah. like your, the, you know, the, the problem with that resilience thing. It's like, mm. hang on, what are we actually saying? Mm. I, and that mm. really, I thought that was amazing. That Are we actually asking people to Operating yeah. those around, that's a myth. That doesn't happen. That, yeah. Yeah. There's no way humans can cope. They, they can tell you they're coping for sure. Yeah. Good and we also get the rise of glamorizing, like the hustle. The hustle, all of that. Yeah. 80 hour weeks. Woo. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to get, I, well, I did it. You know, I worked. Yeah. I did, this you know, is it. Like, right. Don't get me started on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of posts. We need more time. Like, oh, we need more time. <laughs> uh, but no, I, look, I, I completely agree. And, you know, mm -hmm. fine, and it's okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think that's, yeah, I, 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 that really spoke to me. That was cool. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no. No, you wanted, you wanted. Because you asked us if we had questions. Uh. And I've been sitting here on my questions. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For both of you. Hit me. So mine was the paths untaken. What are some sliding door moments in your life yeah. that if not for, insert here, things would be quite different? And how do you think they'd be different? Oh, oh. Straight away, because I was only talking to uh, to Michaela about this last night, and it's the idea that I should have been an artist. Ooh. Yeah, so back in the day, it was the only thing I could do in school, as in to get a grade in. Mm. Everything else, <laughs> you know, all my report cards were evidence every year was, lovely lad, <laughs> lovely lad, right? <laughs> Could do better, right? <laughs> and everything apart from art, yeah. aced it, A's all across yeah. it. Like, yeah. But it, back then, and problem reflection, it was easy art. It was like, take a shoe off, put it on it, and I'll draw it. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. No, it's not, it's just a drawing of a foot. Yeah, anyway. And then got to A level, mm. and I had a really bad art teacher. Mm. And it's that classic thing of, you know, a, t a bad teacher will yeah, teach you an, life. how to hate yeah. a subject you love. Mm. And they did that oh, so well sorry. that I had a place in art college, you know, because that was the only route for me that was mm. tracked. And I can't, I'm not going to art college. And my parents were like, 
but it's the only thing you can do. <laughs> so right, you know, as you could do. And they were yeah. right. It was mm. traumatic at the time because yeah. like, I don't know what to do. But that was because wow. I still love artistic expression. Yeah. And I, I don't want to draw shoes on a table, right? No. Don't get me wrong. But mm. I only in the last couple of years went back to like scribbling on an iPad now, you know, yeah. and doing yeah. that Good stuff. Story. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I can. I was drawing things for my nieces and nephews, yeah. like old cartoon stuff. And she gave it on it's like fun to do. And it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to it in a mm. sense of reverse. Yeah. But it's nice to ignite again a little it's hobby. A little so it's, it's, it's actually very similar. I mean, I've got two, but one's very similar to yours. I, right. When I, I was a young sales guy, we've talked about that. <laughs> and um, I also paid my way through university by doing television ads. So, oh, um, okay. yeah, so I had, a, I had an agent. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Really? And well, it was until I found out the, the jobs I got, mm. you know, once I found the brief and it was like, Average looking, <laughs> slightly overweight guy. Oh, God. Oh, I, I anyway, but the point was, I got, I, I, so I had an agent. Agent got me, a, I auditioned for a gig on Hercules. So um, as a, as a. You um, don't know this ex- cultural phenomenon? I've heard of it. I've seen oh the TV shows. Uh, but Zena, I know it was a big Hercules. deal. Hercules. It was a time. Yes. So it, it was a, it was an extra part, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was, you know, it was going to be a, like a month's work or something anyway. And I got that job on the same day I got offered a, an account management job. Oh, at, um, these are the divergent paths. Yeah. And, um, and so I had it, all of that, you know, which one's the, yeah. the sort of the thing yeah. and, and did exactly the same thing, which one's the career, which one's yeah. the safety, you mm-hmm. know, sort of thing. And so that was, that was a clear sliding door moment. And then yeah. the other one, which is a little bit more, more impactful, was um, I had my son, when, my first son, mm. uh, when I was 25. And um, he was going to be my mother's first grandchild, mm. but my mum died two weeks before he was born. Okay. So I, I had to deal with mum dying yeah. and, being an, and being a dad wow. um, and having to look after the, the family yeah. <laughs> when I was 25 and not remotely ready for it. No. Right. And for me, that, that was like when you sort of think, what were the, yeah. some of those real sort of that changed the totally. trajectory? Yeah. That was definitely another one. But I did like, yeah, I can still imagine myself, you know, as the, the Kevin Zorbo Hercules guy. But oh my what would have well, happened? You, you, you could have been Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> my head. Like, go. You know, something like that. Yeah, could have, like, you could have just gone on you know, and leveraged the hell out of Hercules. I like all you can imagine for New Zealand actors is Lord of the Rings. Right, that's what I mean, Lord of the Rings. Street. Yeah. There's more. There's, There's whole, so much more. Yeah. There's so much more, but I'm sorry I, I stuck you in that. <laughs> Dude. There you go. In the Hobbit ca- category. Yes, in the Hobbit. The beetle, the beetle They're all filthy that's Hobbits. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's all good. So, yeah, time is kind of coming to the end. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. That was really cool. Thank honesty you. and vulnerability and yeah. stuff. And, uh, yes, yeah, I want to ask one more question before we leave. What are you hopeful for in 2023? Ooh. I want to force some hope. In I'll start because mine's really quick. We're building a house at the worst possible time to be building a house. I'm hopeful that we actually move in at some point. I can mention. There you go. For you. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That would be pretty yeah. awesome. Fingers yes. crossed for 2023, new home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hopeful for. Um, it's probably for small things. I feel hopeful for small things. I think I'm in a phase of life where I'm looking at the micro and I go through these. I think there's times where I look at the big picture stuff and I feel like willing and able to like 
run into the climate crisis problem solving mode but at the moment it feels nice to be more intimate I think and my hope is about those things it's about wishing good things for my friends and family I'm hopeful for that um although what I will say is I'm hopeful that when the zombie apocalypse happens which it will it's coming know this mm-hmm. everyone's been forewarned um that I by then would have learned not to be such a scaredy cat because <laughs> my husband <laughs> s- tells me constantly that although I've got like really good survivalist vibes so like there's the, the food growing I can grow food mm. I can preserve food really good at that kind of stuff I'm actually quite good food. I think can cook relatively well I'm good shot I'm quite good with guns mm. that kind of stuff yeah. I can make a fire out of very little but I scare very easily. And so his theory is that we'll be like out trying to like avoid zombies. His, he's awful. He goes, you'll probably do something like fart and scare yourself and like a horde of zombies will come upon us. So I have to, I'm hopeful that I can build my ability not to be scared so that when the zombie apocalypse occurs, we will be safe. Well, the only way oh. is exposure therapy, I think. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll have if people to, could jump out and scare yeah, me. just constantly <laughs> spook. <laughs> yeah. This and is going to haunt me. Uh, I know. But I'm confident. I'm optimistic for you. I'm sure Thank you. Are. you. Yeah? Right, I yeah. can learn. Right, you can definitely learn. <laughs> and you, I, I think we've got a, you've got a couple of years. It's true. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, so. uh, yeah. I don't I think that's so. a 2023. I mean, there is this mushroom. This is it, man. It's the fungus. It's the fungus. No, we're not. Yeah. We're all just going to get along. <laughs> That's what 20... Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a good year. We say every year. Yes, touch Mm. me. Can't be worse than the last few years. Don't say that out loud. It will now. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, back to that, I think we're pretty good at dealing with shit. Mm. If there's anything we do, it's we change and evolve. So. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. That would be a way to end it. Thank you again. Thank Thank you. Good Good job. This has been awesome. It was so lovely to get to know you better. That was Creative Welly, episode 43. Again, my name is DK. Big thanks to Tanya Anderson and Nick Fox for this one. Again, big shout out to John O'Tucker, partner in crime over at Empire Films, who produces the video podcast. Again, you're listening to the audio podcast. Check us out at creativewelly.com for the video version. It's totally unique. Thanks as well to David Hamilton for hosting us at Flash Dog Studio. My name is DK again, and this is Courageous Conversations with Bold Humans. Keep having them, and see you next time.